What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to my social life. This is the podcast where you can hear the real stories behind the people on social media. I'm your host, Jacob Kelly. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan, and today is a takeaways episode. And if you're new here, what a takeaways episode is, is where I sit down and I talk to you about the most recent podcast episode of the week. And today, we're discussing my conversation with Nicole Parmar. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to the full podcast yet, no worries. Nicole is the CEO and founder of J&J Business Strategies, which is essentially... I might be making this a little bit more simple than it actually is, but it's essentially a holding company for multiple other businesses. So within the J&J umbrella, they have, or Nicole has, Nicole Parmar Co., which is her marketing business. She has the Jai Jai Binks books, which is a, a collection of over 50 five zero books that Nicole wrote kind of throughout about her son. And as he was growing up there, she wrote these children's books about her son and she's published over 50 of them, which is crazy. And that's also within J&J. As far as I know, there's also Gunky, a new business that Nicole has co-founded with her husband, JS, and which is Tongue Cleaners. And it's kind of something I'd never heard of. I never knew what it was. It's super interesting. Actually, I might, I'm probably going to get one if we're being honest. Um, it's just, I don't even know how to explain it without visually showing it to you, but it kind of almost looks like a pair of tongs, but instead of using tongs, like tongs, you hold it one by each side. And then like the, the circular part at the top where the tongs connect, you just kind of scrape your tongue with it helps keep your mouth clean, helps keep your breath fresh. Super interesting. Highly recommend you check it out. Gunky. That's G U N K I I. Um, but that's a little snapshot of Nicole. And we'll get into some of the takeaways and kind of unpack a little more of her story as we go here. But I just kind of want to talk about how this podcast came to be. And because honestly, with this podcast, I never, you never know sometimes where the guests are going to come from. And so in Nicole's case, how I ended up getting introduced to Nicole was actually through her husband, Jay Ash. And so with one of my clients, we're doing a, a series on his social media we're doing an exit series. And so what he wants to do is he wants to profile, he's an investor for context, and he wants to profile different companies that he's invested in and have since gone on to exit. And we're going to sit down with the founders of these companies and we're going to talk to them about kind of their journey to start the company and exit the company and the whole process and all that. And then we're going to unpack that into social media content over the course of probably three to six weeks. And so the first, the first company that we started talking or the first founder we started, we talked to was Jay Ash. And we talked about his company Picatick, which ultimately ended up exiting to Eventbrite. And after the call, I was just speaking with Jay Ash and he was asking my podcast and he was like, my wife, Nicole would probably be somebody you'd be interested in talking to. She has like this business, she does this and this and this. And I was like, absolutely. And got on the podcast. So you just honestly never know where, where guests for the show are going to come from. And I'm super glad that I got introduced to Nicole because this was such a fun podcast. It was really good to get cool to get the chance to talk to her. And for anybody listening to this that wants to get into marketing or kind of go somewhere beyond like a, a theme of the podcast over the last couple of weeks or a couple of months, probably by the time this comes out has been about identity and not conforming to an identity you think you should have, or you, what other people think you should have. And in Nicole's case, she was a teacher for, I believe six, seven years and then she changed up from being a teacher teaching deaf students to having her own marketing company and being this serial entrepreneur with multiple successful businesses. And so it was just cool for her to come on and share her story and talk about the nonlinear path, which is actually something she mentioned to me when we first did a, a setup call. She wanted to make sure that um, one, obviously that the podcast was a good fit for her because she's extremely busy and she 
She wants to make sure what she's doing is worth her time, which I absolutely respect. You have to guard your calendar. Time is a non-renewable resource. And two, she wants to make sure that she was all like that. I was a good fit for her to come on the show, but she was also a good fit for the podcast. And so we had a quick setup call. And that was one thing she mentioned was talking about the non-linear path. And I thought that was awesome. You know, it's cool. It's interesting for me because I'm almost on like the flip side of it. I'm in the marketing space right now. I'm not trying to leave the marketing space, but I'm trying to, I'm exploring avenues beyond just marketing, a path that will be non-linear should it manifest. And right, because right now, if you've been listening to my previous takeaways episodes, I've mentioned this before, I'm working on writing screenplays. It's because something I've always wanted to do. I never really pursued it, never really talked about it, but something like I've always wanted to do. And I've kind of over time, whenever an interesting idea will hit me, I'd kind of write it down, but I never did anything with it. And so now I'm letting myself kind of pursue that, but the path I will be taking towards screenwriting and developing these screenplays will be very non-linear from someone who works in the industry. But now that I'm, as I'm saying it a lot, is there even such a thing as a linear path? I don't know, but let's get into some of these takeaways from my conversation with Nicole. And the first one that I had is that no situation is ever as bad as you think it is. And another part of the conversation that we had, which we'll get into later, was around failure and people being, people are afraid of failure and actually screw, we're not going to wait till I get to it right now. When Nicole said about failure first, we'll start with the, with failure first is because I brought up how I'm very risk averse because I don't want to fail. And I think that's been instilled in me through school and education because failing in school is like deemed as the worst thing imaginable. If you failed, there's something wrong with you. You're not supposed to fail. And that's not how life is. You're going to fail a lot in life. And so this manifests, I mean, it's probably negatively impacted me even in ways I don't even realize at this point. But Nicole kind of reframed what failure is. She <laughs> three words, four words, five words. Wow. I promise I didn't fail math. I was close a couple of times. Um, but anyways, what Nicole said was failure is a data point. It's nothing more than that. And I was like, when you look at it through that lens, after looking at it for most of your life as something that's like life or death being failure, when you look at this, failure is just a data point. You kind of go, huh. And it doesn't seem like the end of the world when you fail. It's just a data point. You know, you pick up, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and you keep moving forward. And you figure out the important thing is figuring out what went wrong. Why did you fail? Because failure, while it isn't the worst thing in the world, it's obviously not a desirable outcome. You don't want to fail. It's going to happen. And I think, I think where that fine line is, is not enjoying failure but it's accepting that it's happened finding those learnings from the failure what caused the failure and learning from it because if you're not learning you know the the old the old adage is history is bound to repeat itself or if you don't learn history is bound to repeat itself something to that extent and that's true with your personal life as well if you're not learning from your mistakes you're going to make them again so when you make the mistakes be okay with the fact that those mistakes have happened don't get too down on yourself for making a mistake and for failing, but do your best to make sure that that specific failure doesn't happen again. Because when you when you fail, more often than not, you were you. So, I'd, hold on, going back, when you do fail, don't let it get you down. Learn from it so you don't make those same failures again. Because if you're an ambitious person, you're going to fail. 
Fail often happens when you step outside your comfort zone and you do new things. It is going to happen. I just finished a book earlier today called Mastery, which is all about the path to mastery. And it's actually an endless path. And along the way, especially in the beginning, you're going to fail a lot. You're going to fail a lot. But as you go, you're going to get better and better and better and better and better. But one of the early stages of mastery is going to be being a beginner again. And when you're a beginner, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You're going to fail. So as an ambitious person who's trying to master different skills, different avenues, different verticals, you're going to fail. So be okay with that failure, but learn from it so you don't make those same mistakes again. But understand that just because you've learned and you're not going to make those same mistakes, there are going to be future mistakes that you're going to make. But remember, failure is a data point. Take the information that you need from that failure and move forward. And another thing when it comes specifically to failure, and I want to talk about with this kind of with me specifically being someone that is very risk averse and not wanting to fail is that even when you do fail, when things or when things don't go your way, it's never as bad. Like the, the outcome that is likely to happen, even if you do fail is never as bad as you think it's going to be. And one, when, so in the context of the podcast with Nicole, where this kind of where this takeaway came from is when after leaving, after she left teaching children, deaf children, Nicole and her husband, I think believe he was her fiance at the time. Oh no, no, I think they were married. I think they were married and they moved. No, they were just anyways, they moved from, they quit their jobs as teachers and they moved to Phoenix because Nicole, I believe was pursuing um, some furthering her education and they got to Phoenix where, where they were moving to. And they very quickly realized they hated it. They hated it. And in the, on the podcast, Nicole told the story of where they had to pull over on the highway because she was just bawling because she, she felt like she'd ruined their lives, which in that situation, you can understand where those emotions are coming from. But when you fast forward, even six, like today or even six, 12 months from that point where they pulled over and she was crying on the side of the road, things got better. It, life wasn't over. Life went on. They rebounded. They came back out of that. I don't want to call it that hole because that's not accurate, but they, life moved on. They kept going and it really wasn't that bad. Yes, they took the sidestep to decide towards New York or to Phoenix. And in the moment, it was really, really bad. And they didn't want to be there. They didn't want to live there. That was a mistake. You could call that a quote unquote failure, but it was not like it wasn't the end of the world. And I read, a, and I believe, I think it's four hour work week where Tim Ferriss, and he also has a, Tim Ferriss has a Ted talk on this as well called fear setting. And it's where if you're worried about making a decision, if you're worried about pursuing something, take a piece of paper and write down what the worst possible situation is, what the worst possible situation is. And figure out if you can come back from that worst possible situation. And how that's going to impact you. And I think an important part too with, with the with just fear setting, one part of the thing that at least for me personally is when you if you do a fear setting exercise, you're you're often going to dwell on that failure. Like that's if you write it down, that's gonna be the thing that sticks in your head. And you don't want to negatively manifest whatever you've written down as the, the worst possible outcome, the worst possible failure when you're fear setting. So make sure when you do that too, you also contrast that with what is the highest possible upside that could happen so you're kind of when you're doing this fierce and exercise you're showing to yourself that even if shit really hits the fan and it doesn't go your way you're going to be able to come back from it because even like this worst case scenario isn't as long as it's not life-threatening 
then you're more than likely going to be able to come back from it. But also look at the positive side, right? Because sometimes when we just look at the fear, we go, that's a possibility. I don't want to even tr- do something that could put me in that position, which which then makes you not want to take that step, doesn't want to make you take that leap of faith because you're worried of taking that risk because you're worried of failing and having this worst possible case scenario. Even looking at it, knowing you can come back from it, you still don't want to take it. So also look at the positive side. Look at what the best possible outcome could be and realize that if you don't take that risk, which again could in theory put you in the position of having that terrible outcome, that worst fear. But if you don't take that risk, you're also not putting yourself in a position to have the best possible outcome either. So while yes, you're avoiding the potential of failing, you're also avoiding the potential of achieving your potential and living that life you want to live. So do the fear setting exercise to one, just understand that no matter how bad this goes, you can still very likely come back from it. It won't be quite as bad as you think it is, But two, also make sure you're looking at the best possible outcome and what you'll be missing out on, what you could potentially be missing out on if you don't take that risk. But so again, the exercise is called Fear Setting and Tim Ferriss, great TED Talk on it. But I thought that just the situation with Nicole and Phoenix where they were miserable, she thought she'd ruined their lives by moving them there. And then you fast forward a couple of a year they're living in San Francisco, building a startup a couple years after that, the startup exits like you can with most things in life, you can come back from it. It's very rare where a mistake will lead to a path that you can't get off of. Next point here that I have is you also can't connect actually with that point. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. It's a Steve Jobs quote. I believe it's from his 2005 Stanford um, commencement address, but where this applies to Nicole, so with Phoenix, they thought it was the worst decision that could have, they could have made. They were miserable. They didn't want to live there. And it sucked for a little while. But when you zoom out and you look at the timeline of their lives, and Nicole said this on the podcast, had they not moved to Phoenix, had they not quit their jobs as teachers and moved to Phoenix, they likely wouldn't have been in a position to then go to San Francisco and pursue this startup, which they eventually exited from. Had they not made that decision to go to Phoenix, had that terrible thing not happened, then the good thing, the really good thing wouldn't have happened either. And those two things are connected now that you look back, but in the moment when they're in Phoenix and Nicole is bawling her eyes out and they pull over on the side of the road, they can't see that in the future, this decision, them being in Phoenix is actually going to benefit them tremendously down the road. And in their case, it was even a couple of months. And in your in your case, it might not be a couple of months. It could be, and I don't know the exact timeline, so it might be longer than that, but it could be years. But you can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. So when there is a failure, understand that one, it's a lesson. Find the lesson in it. It's just a data point. Move on. But it's also a point. And you might be able to connect that point to a positive data point in the future. You can't connect the dots looking forward. You can only connect them looking back. One thing Nicole learned, this was her biggest learning in San Francisco, is that it's just to pay it forward. Because when they moved to San Francisco, she couldn't get a job. So she started just kind of learning about digital marketing and started blogging and doing all these things. And she had all of these different people that were helping her learn and teaching her different things when it comes to SEO and blogging and social media and marketing and all these different things. And she said, honestly, of all the things she learned in San Francisco, the biggest thing she learned was just to pay it forward. All these people are doing this out of the out of the kindness, the goodness of their heart. And because they were friends with Nicole, they didn't have to do that. They didn't have to give their time. And 
she said that was kind of her biggest takeaway. And she said, you never, honestly, you never know. The person who's asking you how to run an ad right now might be the next person that's going to start a company you want to work for. And it brings me back to a Gary V quote. Gary V says, karma is practical. You know, if you're like, if you're a good person, and you do good things. The world is probably even like some people, whether you look at it as energy or whether you look at it as, as just putting things out into the universe and the universe answers you, however you look at it, karma is practical. You do good things and good things are going to happen to do going to happen to you. You do bad things and bad things are probably going to happen to you. And so karma is practical. Just pay it forward. You never know where the person who's reaching out to you is going to end up one day. Next takeaway that I had is about putting systems in place. And this was around, we were talking about how you you make 90, it was 95% of your decisions in a day are subconscious. Only 5% of what you do in a day is like conscious thought, conscious thinking, conscious actions. And it's so make sure you're putting systems in place that allow you to prioritize that 5% because you only have a, so with that being 5%, you only have a finite amount of brain space, a finite amount of capacity to make decisions. And so that's why when you talk about, we talked about with Steve jobs where his wardrobe was the same every day. So he didn't have to focus on picking out his clothes. He could save that brain power, that capacity for decisions that actually mattered. And you can do that with your life, putting systems in place so that when it's time to get to work, you you're in your best mice and you have as, as much fuel left in the tank as you can. And honestly, I don't have the most to say about that. I think it's just, it's just the fact that it's just that stat just blows me away that 95% of what we do in a day is subconscious. And in a day, like a lot of people, a lot of people want to feel like they want to be able to just, and this is, this one's coming back to myself is you want to feel like you have unlimited amounts of discipline and you, and maybe you can, and I'm just naive, but from everything I'm reading, what I'm understanding is like, as you go on, as you like, you look at like discipline is a, is a resource that drains itself and you have to rest and allow it to kind of refill. And so if you're trying to be super disciplined and you're trying to, even with decisions, you're trying to make decisions every day, your, your tank is draining and you need to stop and rest, sleep, and that tank will refuel. But every day as you make a decision, a little bit more comes out of that tank, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So if you're wasting that brain power on what am I going to eat today? What am I going to wear today? What way am I going to take to work today? All these different things. This is draining your capacity to make decisions. So if you can systemize things and put systems in place, so you don't even have to think about that or where did I put that file? You know, there's a system in place, you know where that file is and you're saving all of your, we'll say your decision-making abilities and your critical thinking, your creativity, you're saving that tank for what actually matters. So put systems in place that allow you to get the most out of yourself every single day. The next point came from Nicole's Nicole's business, which I, you could look at it again as a, as a quote unquote failure. And that was her, her real estate, her online, her digital marketing courses, her online digital marketing courses for real estate agents. And her biggest take, her biggest lesson from that failure, which again, I also wrote down a quote here from her, and that was my biggest failures are more important to me than my successes. And it's because of the learnings you have when you're failing or when you do fail. And the biggest thing that Nicole learned from this real estate course that she tried to launch, this digital marketing course for real estate agents, I should say, was that you have to figure out who you're selling to first. 
I've said it on this on these takeaways episodes before. If you're selling to no one, or sorry, if you're selling to everyone, you're actually selling to no one. Create an avatar, create a specific person that you're trying to sell to and create your marketing for that. It's really hard to try and sell to everyone. And you have to understand, and when you have a person, a persona in place for who you're selling to, it will allow you to better adapt your marketing, will better adapt your messaging, it'll help you better adapt your product. If you know who you're selling to, if you know their pain points, if you know what they're looking for, if you know what will prevent them from purchasing your product. And in Nicole's case, it was with this course, there was, if she, what she ended up learning was with real estate agents, they don't have the time or the energy or the care to take this course. They don't, they'd rather focus their time on selling homes. And if they let their admin do it, then they're going to take this skill and start their own business with it. And th- that real estate agents would rather just hire someone like a Nicole to, to do the work. And maybe that would have been something they could have identified early on before building it. Had they identified exactly who was going to be using this course? Why would they be using their course? What would prevent them from using it? So in the beginning of your business, figure out who you're selling to. And the other thing too, that Nicole said, which they've done a lot with Gunky is just get user feedback Get as much feedback early as you, as early as possible. And because more often than not, one thing I've learned from this, the, the investor that I referenced at the beginning of this podcast that I've learned from him is that the business that the business that you start is very rarely the business that actually gets built. You're going to adjust, you're going to pivot as you go along because the ideas that you have are going to be dramatically influenced. They should be dramatically influenced by the users. And so get user feedback, get as much of it as you can and allow that to shape your product. And it's a skill as well to figure out what user feedback you should implement and which ones you shouldn't. But it's so, so, so important to, to make sure you're getting feedback from your users. The next point, which is such an important point, you will never be criticized by someone doing more than you. I'm going to say that one more time. You will never be criticized by someone doing more than you. If someone doing more than you is giving you feedback that's negative, that's not because they're trying to, they're not trying to talk down on you. They're trying to help you. And if someone's just talking shit, if someone's hating, they're not doing it from a position of leverage. They're doing it from a weaker position. They they don't have less of you. They're threatened by you. So understand that when it comes to criticism, someone doing less, someone doing less than you is likely going to be the one criticizing you. It's not going to be someone doing more. And so don't let it. I mean, that's so it's I mean, that's so easy for me to say is don't let negative feedback. Don't let criticism. Don't let hate get to you, which obviously it's going to. But it's just important when Halen, I understand that again, when it comes to hate, like I try to have the the Gary V mentality of deploying empathy. Right. Where it's just like, I've never felt the need to go and leave a hate comment or leave something rude on someone's Instagram picture. Like, that's just never a thought that's crossed my mind. And if it, somebody feels the need to do that, there's clearly something going on. Like, no happy person who's feeling, who's confident in their own shit, feels the need to go on the internet to some stranger's page or even someone that they know's page. And leave a rude comment. And so you'll never be criticized by someone doing more than you can apply to a business context. 
And in this context, I think it was in a business context, but also understand that it also applies just in life. You know, if somebody is criticizing you and it looks like they have more, they might, they maybe they have more financially, but maybe happiness they don't. Right. And so under just I try to deploy empathy in that context. You know, someone's like, no one's going to leave, give you hate for no reason. Right. Like, and, and it might appear as no reason in your specific world, but in their world, it's completely different. It's interpreted differently. Like their day to day, their life is just impacted. It's just deploy empathy. You'll never have the full context. Someone leaving a hate comment on your account isn't necessary. Isn't someone who's, who's, I'm going to say happy. I don't think you can be happy and spew hate. That's, that's my opinion. And so you'll never be criticized by someone doing more than you. Just, just remember that. The next thing is coming is coming to starting your own business. And there's two takeaways here back to back. And the first one is when you start your own business, tell people about it. Tell everyone about your business. And I think that does two things. I mean, one, it spreads the word, right? Like I, Nicole, I believe it was at a Halloween party. I could be wrong on that. It's been a couple of days since I've listened to the podcast. But it was a Halloween party that Nicole said is where she got one of her first clients. I believe I could be wrong on that, but tell everyone she'd be like, I'd be in line for coffee and I'd be telling people my marketing business. And that's so true. And also telling people actually we'll get, we'll stick with the first part of telling everyone about your business. So it just spreads the word. And that's what I said on the podcast when it came to me specifically, when I started my business. So I started in January of 2020, which was over a year ago now, which is insane. But so I tell, I told not many people about the business. I kept it super on the down low because I was still working a full-time job. And I felt that as an employee, it would be disrespectful to my employer to be broadcasting the fact that, hey, I've started this business. I'm trying to leave my job. So this was just me. I didn't feel comfortable doing that. So I kept it super on the low. Like I would tell my friends and stuff and anyone offline, like, but I didn't broadcast it anywhere. I didn't post about it. I didn't do any of that. And because of that, it took me a little while to get some clients. Like I got my first client in January through a connection, through someone who knew I had the agency. My next connection came through, after you've been listening to this podcast for a while, came from my good friend, Scott, who was a connection, who was a friend of mine, who knew I'd started the agency. And then I'm trying to think of my next client after that. I'm pretty sure my next client from that point was an introduction from TrueFan, from my client. Again, a connection made someone who knew I had the agency made an introduction. And then I think it was a little while after that, I'm, try, I'm trying to get my, my timeline, right? I don't even remember anymore. Such a crazy year. Um, and then eventually I did the numbers and I realized, you know what? I could probably, I'm making just enough now or I'm making more than my full-time job. Let me take this jump and, and I'll do the business. You know what? I have enough money saved up. I have a few months worth of runway that if shit hits the fan, I go down to zero. I did kind of a fear setting exercise. If for some reason I lose all of my clients tomorrow, I had enough money in the bank that I could have like, I think it was like a four or five, six month runway. And so that was, so I was like, you know, I'm gonna take the jump. And I took the jump and I told, and then it was really kind of like, I didn't, I hadn't quite posted about it yet. Uh, but a lot of people knew, like I went around the workplace that I was leaving to start my own company and all these different things. And then I started to kind of publicly talk about it a little bit more and it went crazy. 
<laughs> like I've talked about on the podcast before when I took the jump, like shit went zero to 100 real quick. And like, it's because everyone knew at that point, no one really knew I had a marketing business, like the general public, like close friends and friends of mine knew, but everyone knew once I took the jump. And then I had like people that work referring me to people once, once my clients knew that I was gone full time and I had this availability, they referred more people into me. My other, like I had just one of my other clients expanded the scope. Actually, I had two clients expand their scope, expand their retainer. And it just went zero to 100 real quick because I started telling people. Once people knew, one, that I was doing this, and two, I had the availability, I was getting referrals left and right. And I literally, I think I've said it before, like three to four X my income, monthly income in like a month and a half, two months. It was crazy. I was, it just because everyone knew. Everyone knew. And well, that was great. I'm like, if you've listened before and I've said this before, like I've, I was, I went too hard, too fast. And I kind of burnt out right, right. I started my agency and burnt out, but that's another conversation because of the amount of work I took on. But the reason I was able to have so much success and so much inbounds because I just told everyone about my business. It was just, that's why tell people about your company. It's going to help you. And the other side of that is it's going to keep you accountable. I opened the beginning of this podcast by talking about how I'm script writing. I'm writing screenplays, which is just totally random, but I'm doing that and I'm publicly saying it for two reasons. One, I'm telling people about it because this is my, I like how this is the second point of my first two reasons. And the second point also has two reasons. Anyways, I digress, but I'm doing it because I want to be held accountable <laughs> to to writing i want people to know i'm doing this i want people to know i'm writing screenplays i've said i'm writing screenplays and if i don't follow through i'm gonna have to tell people why i didn't follow through i want there to be that accountability and the other side too is you have to believe in yourself and believe in what you're doing right so it's it's if i tell people this is kind of a little bit beyond having a business this is more so a self-belief thing but if i tell people I'm going to become a screenwriter one day that puts the actions of being a screenwriter in the future. I don't have to write screen. I'm not a screenplay. I'm not a screenwriter right now. I'm going to be one day versus by telling people I'm writing scripts. I'm a screenwriter right now. My actions better fucking map to that. Otherwise I'm bullshitting you. And I think over the last five, six days, I've written 30 pages of a screenplay, which is about a quarter of a full screenplay because I'm making sure my actions map to the fact that this is what I'm doing right now. I'm writing screenplays. I am a screenwriter. I'm embodying that identity, but I'm doing it because it's so my actions map towards it. And so tell people about your business. Don't be afraid to tell people. And if you're being criticized by someone, it's not because they're doing more than you. It's because they're doing less. And the other thing too, if it's your inner circle, I actually, this came back from the mastery book that I just read as well. I'm also trying to work the books I'm reading into some of my podcasts just because it helps reinforce what I've read and what I've learned. So if you're wondering like, Jacob, we get it. You're reading. Look, I'm trying to read 50 books and I'm trying to remember them. So this is one of my, one of the ways I'm doing that. But it was talking about how when you make a change and when you make a change and you put yourself out there and you're getting some, and you're trying to change your identity, you're telling people about whatever this new thing that you're doing is you're getting criticism there, especially if it's coming from your inner circle. The reason for that is when you make a change, you're not just making a change for yourself. You're making a change that impacts everyone around you. Like your, your new business may not directly impact your best friend, Susan, but her perception of you is changing. And so she's pushing back on that because you're causing a change in her life. 
And because you're causing a change in her life, she did, like she's pushing back because now her life is changing. And a lot of people don't like change. People are uncomfortable with change. So even though what you're doing doesn't impact them physically, mentally, how their perception of you and what you do is changing. And because it's changing, they might negatively push back on that. And because now their life is changing. And again, so that comes back to not having the full context. And that's why you'd got to try to pull empathy, but just tell everyone about your business and just go out there and do it. And people, and if you get pushback from putting yourself out there, it might be because people just are uncomfortable with change and you going out there and trying to better yourself is a change in their lives that they're not comfortable with. But just put yourself out there. And if you are someone who, who wants to start a business, you got to understand what you're signing up for, which is probably part of the reason I burnt out in the beginning. Cause it's like, I kind of knew what I was signing up for, but it's also like, once you're actually in it, you're like, holy shit. Entrepreneurship is a nine to five. Entrepreneurship is nine to two and not 2 PM, 2 AM. It is 24 seven. It is around the clock. If something goes wrong with the client, they text you, you got to fix it because it's your mistake and it's your business and the buck stops with you now. Entrepreneurship is very glamorized right now. And honestly, like full context, I don't fully view myself as an entrepreneur. I know I have a business. I know I have my own company, but I just, I have a difficult time just taking that title. I mean, like I'm definitely entrepreneurial, but I don't know if I would consider myself a full entrepreneur at this point. Um, maybe it's just because I'm self-critical and I'm hard on myself, but anyways, having your own business, it's not easy and it's very glamorized right now to have a company to put CEO, to put founder in your bio, which is another thing you won't see from me. Not even just bio on my LinkedIn. I don't give myself the CEO title. I don't give myself the founder title. Um, a CEO because a company of one and you're the CEO doesn't mean anything. I'm the owner. That's what I put. I put owner Jack marketing, um, which maybe I should make that a little bit more marketing specific, make my sound, make myself a little bit more just positionally. But anyways, that's a different thought process, but either way, entrepreneurship is hard. It's a lot of long hours. So you have to understand what you're signing up for. You know, it's not nine to five. It's nine to two. It's all the time. It's Friday nights. It's Saturday mornings. It's Sunday afternoons. It's all the fucking time. And if you can't handle that, and there's nothing wrong if you can't, that's the thing, right? A lot of people feel like they should be entrepreneurs because being an entrepreneur is the cool thing right now. Having your own business is the cool thing right now. It is, and it's great. And I understand why it's been placed on a pedestal because it's amazing. But you know what's also cool? Having your Friday nights, Saturdays, and Sundays to do whatever you want to and being able to shut down, not having the responsibility of if shit goes sideways, it all comes down on your head. It's also cool not to have to worry about that. And I think it comes down to self-awareness and figuring out what type of person you are. And again, there's absolutely nothing wrong with not being an entrepreneur. There's nothing wrong with it. You're allowed to not be an entrepreneur. You're allowed to not want to have to be on call at 11.30 p.m. on a Friday just in case something goes bad. You know, and I think for me, like I'm kind of realizing that maybe it's not for me. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm still figuring it out. I really like what I do. I love my clients. And I think for me, it's just, and honestly, I don't have clients texting me at 1130. And I think it's more so, it's not that I don't like it. I'm going to take, I'm going to retract that statement. But I think for me, it's more so what I need to work on more so than not liking it. What I need to work on is just 
being like letting the stress go of worrying about that 11 p.m. text, you know, and it's you can set the boundaries. That's a huge thing, too, is setting the boundaries. But sometimes you set the boundaries and it's not even your clients. Just you know, you have work and you've got a lot to 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 get done. You don't get it done. And that's why you're working till super late. And I think for me, that's what I was kind of alluding to is when I went full time. And that's why I've taken money off the table. When I went full time and I went zero to 100, I took on so much so fast. I burnt out and I was working around the clock. And I was like, this is not what I thought entrepreneurship was going to be like. This is not what I thought having my own business was going to be like. And I was um, miserable because I was just working. And you know what? Sometimes that's what it is. That's what having your own company is like. But I realized this isn't for me. This much volume and just trying to make as much money as I can isn't for me. So I took money off the table. I went down to a few clients, all clients I enjoy working with. I become much happier. And so that you can do that too. And again, maybe that's, I think that's more so solopreneurship is what I'm doing. That's probably the best way to classify it, but just understand what you're signing up for when you start your own company. And you can, like I've done, you can shape and mold what that looks like to some degree. And so you don't have to be having those crazy long nights all the time. And you can set those boundaries. But entrepreneurship isn't necessarily like the be all end all. You can, if you love your job, do that. Don't try and start a business just because you think you're supposed to. All right. Entrepreneurship, man, it's hard. It's really hard. But at the same time, it is totally worth it. My last takeaway here is that there's enough time in a day. There is enough time in a day. You know, and I say that as I look at my calendar today, I'm like, holy shit, there's not enough time. There is enough time. It's just a matter of prioritization. What's important to you and what's not? If it's important, you can make time for it in your schedule. If it's not important to you, then it won't be in your schedule. There is time in a day. It just all comes down to your prioritization, right? And so for me right now, like when I look go, when I look at my schedule, I go, man, there's not enough time in a day. I'm also doing like a 40 things at once, right? So with me, if we look at it, like I am trying, I mean, I have the business. So there's that, that takes up a lot of my time. I also do the podcast, which if you've listened to this podcast and the amount of research and everything that I do that goes into it, you know how much work I put in each podcast. So then there's a podcast and that takes up a lot of time. But now I'm doing this screenwriting. Like I said, I wrote five pages, like 30 pages in the last, where are we? Eight days, seven days. So that's like, I've been doing probably five, not even five pages a day, but the last three days I've done like 15 of those pages. Anyways, so I'm script writing, I'm doing the podcast, I'm researching, I'm interviewing, I'm doing my business. I'm trying to have some form of balance with seeing my family during the week. Once a week, I'm trying to watch at least one movie a week because I'm trying to study that because I feel like as someone who's an aspiring screenwriter, someone who is a screenwriter, back to my identity thing, but as someone who's doing that, I want to make sure I'm actually watching movies and I'm not just watching them like after the fact. I go back and I study them and I read their scripts and I watch behind the scenes and I listen to interviews with the director and the writer and all this stuff and I'm trying to learn. And so I have all the time to do that, but I'm like, man, but I want to do these YouTube documentaries and I'm not finding a lot of time in my day to do that. And it's just come down to prioritization. I'm prioritizing seeing my family, running my business, doing my podcast and writing screenplays above doing some other things. And that's okay. And I go to the gym too. Like there's so many things that I do in a day. There's enough time in a day. That's what I'm saying. There's enough time in the day. It comes down to prioritization. It comes down to prioritization. So take a hard look at your calendar, figure out what can go and what you want to add. And if there's nothing that can go, then understand that what you're trying to add is just not a priority. There's enough time in the day. It comes down to prioritization, but 
speaking of time, it's getting late here. The time I'm recording this, I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. Probably going to head to bed and a schedule this. I'm going to head to bed, but I want to thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Whether you listen the entire way through, you only listen to bits and pieces. I really appreciate you taking the time to check this out. Do me a big favor, go and check out Nicole's Instagram. She's using her social media ton, which is actually something we didn't get to talk about, but that's okay. I know in my next podcast, we're going to talk about that. So so that's okay. Um, but check out Gunky, G-U-N-K-I-I. I'll make sure it's linked in the show notes down below as well so you can find it. Super interesting tongue scrapers. I'd never heard of it. I'm probably going to get my own. Maybe it might be a little weird at first, but I'm sure I'll, I'll get used to it. But no, seriously, guys, check it out. Check out Gunky. Follow Nicole. I'll make sure everything's linked in the show notes down below. If you'd like to follow me, you can find me everywhere on social media at the Jacob Kelly. Feel free to come and say hello. My DMs are always open. On top of that, if you enjoy today's podcast, be sure to Leave us a positive rating and review. Share this podcast or the interview with Nicole with a friend, just one friend. But if everyone listening to this sends it to one friend, you know, and all those friends send it to one more friend, you know, we're just going to start popping off before you know it. So if you can do me a huge favor, please send this podcast to one friend and also subscribe. If this is your first time here, welcome. I'm so excited to have you here listening to this podcast. It really means the world to me. Um, yeah, subscribe. I put out brand new interviews every single Monday, 5 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and a brand new takeaways episode like this where I sit down and break down the most recent podcast episode of the week every single Thursday as an audio exclusive. And so there is video. That means there is video for the podcast. You can find the podcast on YouTube, searching up My Social Life. It should be the number one listening listing. And there is a video for every single interview. But with these takeaways, they're audio exclusive only. So you'll only get these takeaways. You'll only get some one-on-one time with me if you're subscribed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. But seriously, Thank you once again for taking time to listen to this podcast. As always, today's podcast is powered by TrueFan. Thank you once again for listening, everybody. We'll talk soon.